0: you're listening to the ignite sessions podcast hosted by virginia tech kai alpha our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue god's kingdom and his righteousness we hope you're blessed by today's episode what's up kai alpha Is anybody in the building? All right. All right. Hey, uh, I just wanted to point out one thing as I'm getting ready uh, with my massive stand, and it's this. Did you see on that sign 2,000 unreached people groups? 2,000 unreached people groups. I don't know what you think about that number, but I'm just going to tell you right now that that breaks the Lord Jesus' heart. That breaks the Lord Jesus' heart. And, and I don't know, uh, I love that Elizabeth brought out the, the whole Chi Alpha motto, every student uh, gives, every student prays, every student goes, every student welcomes. This is who we are. And, uh, and so welcome, welcome to the family. Hey, we are in the middle of a series called The Fear of the Lord. Last week, we looked at the fear of the Lord and how it's an invitation to intimacy. What what is so amazing about this idea is is as you look through scriptures, you begin to discover that there are there's a whole lot of, of scripture around the idea of the fear of the Lord. In fact, there are actually 490 verses that tell us in some form or fashion that we should fear the Lord or fear God or there is the fear of God, right? Like these phrases show up in the scriptures 490 times. So it might be worth us taking a couple of weeks to just dive into this, right? But what's also interesting as we dive into this idea of the fear of the Lord for the most for most of us if we've grown up in church or around church we probably have not really delved into this idea of the fear of the lord actually we talk a whole lot about the love of the lord right and so we let's just be honest like the idea of fearing someone that loves us so radically seems so weird to us, right? Like, it's hard to wrap our mind around this concept, this idea that we are to fear the Lord, yet He's the one who loved us so much, right, that He paved the way for us, that He died on a cross and rose again so that you and I could have a relationship with Him. And it was out of love that He did that, right? For God so loved the world. And so all of a sudden, like, this idea of us... Growing in a deeper fear of the Lord is not something that I would say is talked about often, not something that we even actually probably think about often, even here in the, the, the West. And I, I want this community to understand that this is such a precious thing in the Scriptures, that we grow in a deeper understanding of the fear of the Lord. Last week, we were in Exodus 20, right? You guys remember this? It was after the giving of the Ten Commandments, we saw that, that God did this from a place of relationship because of what he had already done in their life, right? Anybody? Anybody here last week? Remember, is this ringing a bell? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what, what happened is, right, God delivered them out of slavery. And I won't go through that very much. He And he brings them out. And and after saving them and delivering them and then watching his supernatural power and then providing for them, and all of a sudden God decides that, like, we're in relationship, so therefore I'm going to give you these Ten Commandments. And because we're in relationship, this is how I desire you to live. But what he gives them to him them he manifests himself on this mountain in a a terrifying way you guys remember and and what is powerful about this moment is that they were afraid and they told they told Moses like you talk to God we're good (laughs) you know like I don't want to hear God and and there's something about that kind of fear that actually keeps you away from the very thing you need to be near to Right? Because when we fear from a place of guilt or danger, we, we avoid it at all costs. Right? There's, there's people on this, you know, that, that, that come in, and we have great conversation with, and you ever have this happen where, like, you see this person on campus, and they know you? You're part of this thing called Chi Alpha, and they do one of those. Right? They're like, man, avoid you at all costs, right? Well, I think sometimes in the, in, in the world, we really actually do that. We try to do that with God. And that's really what's happening in that moment, isn't it? Is that you are a part of something that they know has touched their life where they should be, and so they avoid it, right? Because God wants to deal, do something in their life. But one, the verse that I want us to remind us of is, is Exodus 20. So they're like, no, no, you, t- you talk to God as for us. If God talks to us, we're going to die. Exodus 20, 20 says, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be for you that you may not sin. Now, remember, the first fear speaks of tormenting fear that comes from both guilt and danger. The second fear, that the fear of him, this speaks of the attitude of honor and reverence that leads to respect and obedience. In other words, we, we shared this quote last week, fear not with that terror which makes us shrink back from the divine voice, but that we should fear so as to shrink back from what the divine voice forbids, right, like that because we actually desire relationship with God, that we should draw near to him in this, that this is an invitation to intimacy, that, that as we dive closer to God, right, what can't be with us? And it's this idea of, of sin. The Bible says this in Proverbs eight thirteen. That the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. You guys remember we, 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 we kind of shared this last week right at the end, and this is kind of where we're going to pick up tonight. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Evil is anything and everything that stands in opposition to God. So we are to stay clear of that and draw close to God, the invitation to this intimacy It was an invitation to intimacy because it calls us into a deeper understanding of who this God of power and holiness is. It is an invitation to intimacy because it's an understanding that God actually has this covenant that he wants us to live in. And actually this relationship is is one that he wants to preserve and, and protect and walk with us in. This is the beauty about the Christian God. He desires intimate relationship with you, with me, with everyone on this campus. So this is where we're going to pick up tonight. I'm going to pray, and and we're going to dive in. Jesus, thank you so much. Father, we love you. God, thank you for already speaking to us tonight. God, thank you for ministering to us tonight. God, thank you, God, that, Lord, something like Music and as we worship you, God, you come and you inhabit our praises. And we we sense that tonight, God, that, that you're in the room. God, that you're here with us. And so, God, now we're gathered and we just want to hear from you, Father. We just want to hear your voice, God. We want you to speak directly to us, God, that you would transform us. God, where our hearts are not right before you, God, that you would allow your love and your kindness to bring us up out of that place into repentance, God, to come and draw closer to you. And so, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would reveal more of yourself to us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Again, as I've already shared, one of the things that's so interesting about this idea and this concept about love and fear is, for the most part, we see them as completely separate things. But I want to propose to you tonight that they actually, co- they actually work together. In this idea of, of our relationship with God, that love and fear actually come together and draws deeper into this relationship with God than, than if we were to just love or just focus on love that actually God wants to reveal to us that these two things work together. One of the commentators, Joseph Excel, says this, love and fear are the positive and negative poles of the same electric bar and are both forces convertible into aids to holiness. Love rules in the home and its sunshine is the life of all who dwell therein. But fear of marring the domestic peace spoiling the domestic purity or poisoning the domestic joy is a temper that pervades and chastens, hollows, and enlarges the household of life. In other words, love and fear work together to create an environment that is safe, pure, and peaceful. Think about it this way, right? Like I'm, my wife and I, as I mentioned at least one of these weeks, right, we're we're stepping into year 17 of marriage. Come on, 17. Yup, I've now been married than the freshmen have been alive. I've been married longer than the freshmen have been alive. Um, so I'm old, that's what you call that. But I, I love my wife. And one of the things that you start to discover the longer you're married is, is that when I hurt my wife, as if that ever happened, just... Right, like, if I were to hurt my wife because I'm acting in the flesh or, you know, like, I respond to her in a way that doesn't actually meet her need because I'm selfish or prideful, her response in that moment, the way that I've impacted her negatively, actually hurts me. Right, like, like this this reality of just me What I would call, like in our world, a selfishness to not lay my life down, which I committed to at the altar when I made my vows, because I failed to do that, it hurts my wife. And it's awful. it's not something that i'm proud of it's not something that i'm excited about in fact it it hurts so much that that it's hard for me to just let it go right like i've got to go back and i've got to repent and i've got to ask her to forgive me and i'm going to i'm going to work at this to be better at this right of laying my life down to serve you well like this is the desire of my heart you know in in the reality of if I don't do that, my relationship with her can can start to grow apart. Does that make sense? It's also like this idea of, man, I'm not going to do things that are going to create a, a distance between me and my wife, right? Like when I said forsaking all others, I meant forsaking all others. She's the only one my heart longs for, right? In this earthly relationship. And so this desire is, I'm not going to right? Like, I'm committed to her. I'm, 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 I'm in this covenant relationship, and I, I'm not going to break it, right? Like, that's why I said yes to her. And so, this idea of, like, sinning against my wife, right? Like, this, this idea that is so embraced by often the world, like, well, divorce is just normal. Well, that's not the way God created it to be, And so people, you know, if we get into this covenant of marriage out of selfishness for what she can do for me, then I'm in it for the wrong reasons. Are you following me? But if I come from a place of love and then I have a healthy understanding of reverence and honor to my wife, the way that I live my life, then I will not commit adultery then I will not, right, will, I'm not going to do the things that can cause us to, to, to hurt that relationship even worse. Let me just tell you something right now. If in the moment I don't serve her in the way she needs, she should be served, that hurts me. How much worse would it be if I did something like that? But not only that, and, and, and here's the thing, not only that, I would destroy the relationship I have with my children, Wait, but it doesn't stop there, right? Like, if I were to fall in that kind of way, it would impact the, the, the ministry that, that I've had over the years, right? The students, I think about the alumni, like Elizabeth, like so many, if I were to, to do something like that, right? But let me just be honest with you, like, those are not the things, like, it's not just that, Right? And if, those, if, if I think through my life with my, with my wife and I think through my life with my children and what God has called me to and to ministry, and, like, those are, those are valid reasons, right? Like, if I were to mess up and really fall hard in this fashion, like, everything would fall apart. I'm just, just being honest, right? Like, I wouldn't be able to be here anymore if I committed that kind of, a, if I committed that kind of sin, right? My bosses wouldn't let me be here anymore. The, the impact, my children, my wife, but how much more should it be because I love the Lord and I fear separating myself from God? Like, this is, the, this is the idea, and it's the same thing, right? Like, man, we don't ever really think about what it costs. In fact, we lean so much into, like, uh, like almost like a, a greasy grace, like, oh, man, it's okay, it's okay that that put my savior on the cross. It's okay that right like you know he has scars in his hands and his feet, but we don't we don't really think through the dynamic of that. and so we, we need to step into a, a series on the fear of the Lord because I believe God is calling a generation, and we're going to see even like man, there are people in the Bible, man that that they actually had a fear of God, that actually their decisions, the way they lived, stemmed from this healthy, holy fear of the Lord, that they had a reverence and an honor that led to obedience. In other words, obedience, when we have a healthy fear of God, obedience is not optional. And that, we don't like to hear that, right? We don't don't like to really think about this. This is not not like tickle me message, so um, I'll try to make you laugh at some point. But this is not like a, a, a feel-good message because the, the truth is we don't talk about this enough. And so what, what we're going to step into is something that really I believe God is calling a generation to. And until we see a generation of people that, that live their life from this place of, of love and fear, I may, we may not see the very things we long to see in, in the Lord Jesus I want you to know, like, I serve here because I believe Virginia Tech is, pla- uh, is going to be a birthplace, right? Like, there's going to be a, a revival that is stirred in this campus. But I believe it's going to take some people that are, are walking in a healthy, holy fear of God. There's, uh, there's a couple people in Scripture that are, like, I would call unsung heroes. Unsung heroes because, let's just be honest, you probably don't know their name. But the way that they chose to live their life was so radical that the story that we read last week, the story that I recapped for you this this evening, happens because of these two women. These two women lived in such a healthy fear of God that they're really heroes of the faith, but you don't know their name. At least I'm going to guess you don't know their name. You want to give it a shot? What do you think their name is? Shifra and Pua. You guys are like, oh, I know who that is. I got it. I got it. Well, let's, let's, let's take a look about, at these two ladies, right? This is Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Now, you got to remember, right? Like, Israel is in captivity. They're in bondage. They're in slavery to Egypt, But what's happening is that that Pharaoh is getting a little bit nervous because the number of the Israelites is increasing. And so what he does is he he creates this, this desire to make their labor much harsher right? Like, and so like, he's like, let's, let's step up the game. Let's make it harder for them. Let's, you know, and almost like that they would just die off because of how hard life is, but God is still with these people. And so like, they're still increasing in number. So then he comes up with another idea and that's right. To take the, the Hebrew midwives and have them kill the baby boys when they're born. Right? So that's what's happening. We'll read it here. But this is what the king of Egypt or Pharaoh says. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Puah, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, you shall, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before midwives come to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong and the And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families, okay? So these ladies, the reason I say they're heroes of the faith, is because they feared the Lord. Pharaoh gives them an assignment, right? Pharaoh gives them an assignment, and that assignment is a command from, by the way, right, we talked about this last week, Egypt was one of the most powerful world powers of this day, which means Pharaoh is one of the most powerful men on the planet at this time, right? And to, to be a king in one of authority and to give a command, and that command not being followed is a, a form of treason and can be punishable by death. Okay, this is the reality of the situation, but these women decide, right, like, although Pharaoh says this, I don't really care. You know, like, I fear God. In other words, they actually feared God more than they feared man. And when we fear God, we live a life that pleases God. Right? Like, when we fear God, we live a life that pleases God. Why? Well, think about what what is happening, right? God is one, he's the author of life. And this king just wants to wipe out these innocent children. And so these women understand, like, this is, not, this is not the God that we serve. This is not his heart. This is not what he stands for. And so because we fear God, we don't fear man. Although Pharaoh had the authority to take their life. Pharaoh had the authority to take their life. Do You see, the fear of the Lord leads to pleasing God over pleasing man. They risk their lives to walk in obedience to God by disobeying Pharaoh. If If we fear man, we will wind up living to serve man. but we could see this portrayed in so many different areas of our life. Like the thing we fear is the thing we start to serve in some form or fashion. So like if we, if we fear poverty, we begin to serve money, right? If we fear failure, we begin to serve achievement. If we, if we fear what other people even think of us, we begin to serve our image. If we fear death, then we begin to to serve what I would call self-preservation. At all costs, we're going to do, we're going to play it safe. But if we fear God, then we will live to please God. We will live to serve God. These two ladies, seems like they somehow already knew the truth that we read in Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who's, who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Some might say, well, come on, Anthony, like, you know, that was then, this is now, like, how does this relate to us? And, and by the way, didn't they, some people believe that they lied here, right, that they lied, like... Come on, could the Egyptian I mean, could the Israelite women really be more vigorous and have the babies before the, the midwives even get there, all of them? Let me just throw out these two thoughts, if that's something that you, want, you know, you're struggling with in this moment. First of all, they're not commended. If they did lie, which it doesn't say that they lied if they did lie, they're not commended for lying. they're commended for fearing God. Because we are commanded to fear God and not fear men. They responded from a place of fearing God instead of fearing man. And I believe that they are heroes of the faith. The fact that we read the story that we're reading, what Pharaoh does next, because these women make this claim, is he comes up with another plan to get rid of the Hebrew boys, and it was to throw them in the river. You guys know what happened with Moses? He was put in the river in a basket. And Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised, her, raised him as her own. And he was the one that delivered, that God used to deliver Israel out of slavery. These, what would happen if these two women didn't fear God? Friends, where would we be Today? I mean, I don't know if, you know, you know, some people would say, well, God would have just raised up somebody else. Yeah, but how would that impact, you know, where we are today? These women were heroes of the faith because they did not let the fear of man keep them from walking in obedience to God. My question for us tonight is, listen, if if we fear man, then we will live to serve him. We will live to please him. How many times in your life did you not stand up or say the right thing or remain quiet because the fear of what others would think of you if you were to do the right thing? I mean, let's just be honest. Like, we all lived in middle school. You're like, I was there. That was an everyday occurrence, <laughs> you know, like people making fun of other people. I'll never forget this time where I was walking in this hallway. And, you know, I was an athlete, so I was walking with a bunch of athletes, and there were some this, this one guy, you know, and I don't know what his life was like, but the guys start making fun of him. And everything in me, I knew, and I'm not really walking with Jesus, but I knew what we were doing was so wrong. But I also knew that if I said something, I could lose my friends. And I didn't say anything, and I even chuckled a little bit at their... They're making fun of this young man. The next day, I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not even kidding you. I'm not exaggerating this at all. I'm sitting right there because my parents took me to church. And I look over, and he's sitting in the row next to me. And I was, I, w- I wouldn't have told you I was convicted in the moment because I didn't know what that was. But I felt bad. Right? I felt bad. Why? Because I knew that behavior wasn't right. I mean, think about how many times we're, we're just hanging out with the guys or hanging out with the girls, and we, we make a comment about someone else that's not in the room. And you're like, this isn't right. But instead of saying something to, to, to stir it and actually stand up for what's right, we just kind of like, nah, you know, just kind of shrink back. And Some people would say, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I don't know. I think gossip is a big deal. I think gossip was one of the reasons Jesus hung on a cross. Are you following me? Like, if we choose, I mean, think about it. You can, I just, I just want you to think about it because this is important. How many times in my life have I disobeyed the Lord because I knew the right thing to do and didn't do it? which is sin to him. Because I feared man more than I feared God. Like, guys, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to live that way. I don't, I don't want to live that way. In Acts chapter 5, verse 40 through 42, can we pull that up here real quick? And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from the house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. I think this is so powerful because these two women are told by an authority basically to forego the values of God, and they fear God, so they disobey that authority. The apostles are going around telling people about Jesus, and they're beaten and flogged for the message, for doing this. Then they're told, don't do this anymore. They not only do it, they rejoice for the way that they were treated. Friends, I just, I just think it's so important that we live in such a way that we, we start asking God, God, would you help me to have a healthy, holy fear of you? Because I don't want to live my life bending to man when I'm called to serve the Almighty. I don't want to live my life shrinking back in fear from the one that can only take my life I want to live my life in fear from the one who can destroy both my body and soul in hell. I want to live in this place of a healthy, holy fear of God. Years ago, we had a student here, and we were, he and I were in a one-on-one, and he confesses that he cheated. And so we start talking about, well, how do you think the Lord feels about that? <laughs> He's like, oh, come on not good, right? Like, this is bad. I did this. He's like, I'm not sure I'm going to get caught. I said, well, what do you feel like the Lord is asking you to do? And he said, he just outright said, hey, listen, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to go and confess to my professor, but that means it could be the end of my college career. And I said, if it's the end of your college career, can you trust Jesus? So he goes to visit his professor in his office hours, sits down, introduces himself, says this, you know, blah, 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 and he says, you know, professor, I just, I need to tell you that I cheated on this, on this, on this exam. The professor hadn't caught him, so the professor just looks at him and says, all right, don't do it again, get out, and he's like, should I leave? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, is this over? Is it really over? You know, kind of a moment. Like, is that it? And then he walks out and calls me up on the phone. You'll never believe what happened. Now, there's, there was no guarantee that the professor was going to respond that way. Are, are you understanding? And that, if that were to happen to you, I can't guarantee that you doing the right thing will have those results. But I guarantee you this, that if you live in such a way that you fear God, you can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your future. You see, the problem is is we often want to take our life into our hands. So we're, we're not worried about actually walking in obedience to what God is calling us to do. We're more worried about controlling our life rather than living in a place of fearing God. We often make our own decisions before we turn to Jesus and say, God, what do you think? But when you live in a place where you fear the Lord, you want to honor him. You revere how he feels about these things. You care deeply about what he cares about. And because of that, we live differently. Because we fear God, we treat people differently. We love people who are different than us. We serve people that are different than us. No matter what the culture, what the world philosophy is, that's not the philosophy by which we live by because we're kingdom people and we fear God. But the moment we begin to submit ourselves to the fear of man is the moment that we will not walk in obedience to the one who is worthy of everything. The outcome from the, for these ladies... God gave them families. Isn't that amazing? I think it's just crazy that they were saving families, and then God gave them families of their own. But can I propose something to you, another thing? Like, that's not, it didn't end there. Like, that's not the only thing. God preserved their life. Because when Pharaoh found out, he didn't have to let them live. They were in defiance to a command, and and you, you read the Bible, you see this pharaoh was very prideful, right? God preserved their life. God protected these women. And I want to make sure that you understand that when we live in a healthy fear of God, a reverence and an honor that leads to obedience you also still have to leave the results up to God. Because He's God, and we're not. Last week we talked again just about how God desires intimacy with us, and, and it's actually through this place of of having a healthy fear of God that we can draw closer to him. He's a God that's not okay with sin and as you read the scriptures, he deals ruthlessly with sin. Absolutely ruthlessly with sin. There's no toleration for sin with a holy God which is why he sent his son to die for us he wanted relationship with you so badly that he wrapped himself in flesh and he lived on this earth and he lived a perfect life and he was treated as a criminal and he was beaten so badly that as he hung on the tree he was unrecognizable as a man the Bible says and He died. His blood was shed. He died for you and for me so that we could be forgiven of the sin that we've committed against God. And He rose again, conquering sin, death, and the grave so that you and I can now walk in a healthy, holy relationship with the Holy One. Friends, I don't know if you realize this, but like this is the combination, right, of this God who is um, a God of justice and God of love that, that actually it, it is something that we must embrace, right? Like not only that he did these things, but then it causes me to live differently because I so desire to walk in intimate relationship with the one who died for me. Eternal life is what's being offered through Jesus Christ. This eternal life is something that's lived out daily on into eternity. If you're here tonight and you do not know this Jesus like that, you don't know God, you don't interact with him personally on a regular basis, right, like this is why he died. It's because he wants to walk with you intimately to interact with you on a daily basis. And so if you're here tonight and you recognize you're not right with Jesus, again, this could be like, I've never given my life to Jesus or like, you know what? I'm not living for Jesus. And so if that's you today and you'd like, man, I need to get right with God, I wanna just invite you to just go ahead, slip up your hand. If you're here today and you realize you wanna get right with the Lord, just slip up your hand. Come on, thank you. Come on, let's give it up. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else out there? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else tonight that would say, I need to get right with the Lord? That I'm not living rightly, but I, but I recognize that he's worthy. And encourage you. To just feel like there. There might be one more person out there that's like, I'm not raising my hand in front of all these people. Listen, I want you to grab a staff member, a leader after this, and just say, Hey, I need to get right with the Lord. I'm not living rightly for the one that loves me. Would you stand with me? We're gonna pray with these two that had said yes to Jesus, thank you, God. But then I'm going to ask for another response, and it's this. I really believe God is looking to raise up a generation that doesn't live in fear of man, but has as grows in the fear of the Lord. And if you recognize that today, you would say, I've recognized tonight that, that there are things and decisions I've made because I'm more fearful of man than what God has called me to do. If that's you, I want you to come forward tonight because I believe God wants to break off the fear of man. I believe he wants to do something supernatural tonight that, that instills within you a healthy fear of God, and he breaks off this, this thing that has actually kept you from actually stepping out in in obedience to God. You recognize that there's things in your life that you've not done because of the fear of man. That's that's who I'm talking to, that I encourage you to come forward. So let's just pray this together as a family with our, our new brother, our new sister in Jesus. So I'm gonna pray and then you just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for rising again for me. That you conquered sin, death, and the grave. And I ask you to forgive me tonight of my sin, of my idolatry. And I choose to worship you as my only God, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help me to live for you. Every day forward. For you and you alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here tonight and you want to leave this room no longer riveted, by the fear of man, no longer impacted by the fear of man. Listen, not that the temptation won't be there, but that you actually respond in obedience to God because you fear him in such a way that it doesn't matter what man thinks. When your professor denies or blasphemes God, that you're not so concerned about the A that you're carrying that you say, hey, listen, I disagree with that statement. You see, what I'm saying is that there's, there's, it's oftentimes we're so easy to, to allow injustice when it comes to the things of God to just go under the radar. But God is looking for a group of people that are going to say, no longer am I, I'm not on my watch, not on my watch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit back and let the world pass my God by. I'm going to take a stand. I'm not going to allow the fear of man to impact my choices any longer. And, and some of you are thinking, how can I do that? I'm, I'm 18 years old. There's so much life ahead of me. But let me just tell you something. God loves to honor faith. This is a response in faith. And so, again, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to encourage you. We, we don't have much time, literally like maybe five minutes. And so I'm just going to encourage you guys to move quickly. Jesus, thank you, Lord. God, Lord, I repent. God, for any, in any way that I've allowed the fear of man to keep me from walking in obedience to you. God, I want it no longer. But I want you to pour out, God, a fresh understanding and revelation of the fear of God in my life. Thank you, God. In fact, God, I I pray for those who have made decisions about our future because of the fear of what someone else is going to think. There's some people in the room that God has called you, right, to go to the nations, but for fear of what parents and and what relatives and what friends are going to think, we've just decided, no, that can't be me. This is the kind of thing that I'm talking about. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about, that God wants to break fear of man off of you. There's times where we see people getting picked on because they don't look a certain way. Like, I don't, I don't want to allow that to be something that I just walk by, but that, that it's no longer, God, something that has a grip on me, but that I'm, I fear the Lord and I stand up for what is right, what is true. God, we just say, come on, right now, break off the fear of man. 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 Man, I mean, sometimes we don't even tell our roommates that we love Jesus because we're worried about what they're going to think about it. That's fear of man. That's the fear of man. God wants to break it off. There's some of us that are compromising in our social life because we're we're so caught up in in what it looks like to go out with this certain group of people that we're filled with the fear of man. But God is looking for a generation that will say, No, I'm gonna stand for holiness. I'm gonna stand for holiness. I'm not gonna compromise in the activity on my Friday night, on my Thursday night. I'm not gonna compromise. I'm not gonna get drunk, I'm not gonna get high. Because I fear the Lord. Because I fear the Lord. God, I want to fear in such a way that I walk in obedience to whatever you ask of me. If that's your heart tonight, this is the moment, right? I encourage you to respond. Either come forward or respond in some form or fashion in your seat. God, I want to be a man. I want to be someone who walks in radical obedience to you. That what other people think of what you're asking me to do, I will not, I will not let that impact obedience to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we just ask God right now, break it off in Jesus' name. Break it off in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag #TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.